This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Your old buddy, Frank Proctor, here, sous chef of the garden. Good morning, Frank. Hello, Charlie. Yeah, a little foggy out there. Uh, it's uh, just a little, but it's burning off. Yeah. And uh, it's um, mild. You're, you live just a tad north of the center of uh, Toronto, so it wasn't uh, any worse there than here. It was pretty thick earlier, but yep. as the sun came up, yeah. it was it was. And what the heck is going on with the temp for tomorrow? What, 17 degrees? Well, where you Are live there, in yeah. the banana belt, where I live, <laughs> they're talking 14, I think, or 15. Yeah, still. But st- I know, but it's great because I have, uh, I was saying to Elliot, I have a day and a half worth of work to do or chores <laughs> to do in the garden. So I figure with that kind of temperature, and if I'm out there at dawn and I stay out there till dusk, I might just be able to accomplish all those things. Of course, that need you're going to have done. your whip out there and get Elliot out there, oh, right? I wish. I doubt it. <laughs> no, no, no. This, gardening is a solitary activity at my house. <laughs> well, this is the Garden Show at AM 740 Zoomer Radio, and welcome to any new listeners who happen to be uh, tuning in for the first time. Welcome aboard. Uh, Charlie Dobbin, our master gardener, is here to answer all your questions, or at least attempt to. Ah. And she she sometimes uh, misses the mark, you know. Just doesn't know, but I would say mm, one out of every thousand questions. Anyway, uh, here's here are the numbers to jot down and keep handy. Okay, if you're in the Toronto area, call this number to reach the show four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere else in the province, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. There you go. And our mantra, of course, uh, call yes. early, call often, one question per call. Patrolman Proctor here with the ticket book. If you well know. said, mm. undergardener. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> now, announcements. Right. you got to and announcements. Okay. Raft of them there. Okay, but first, yes. remember last week, Stanley Rozak was here from the oh, city yeah. of Toronto. Yeah, yeah. He's a, one of the growers, gardeners at Centennial uh, Greenhouses, and he was telling us about the grand opening of the Chrysanthemum show right, right. at the yeah. Greenhouse last Sunday. He did call me and give me an update. He said it was absolutely phenomenal. So many people turned out. There was, like, parking was at a premium. <laughs> Every side street had cars on it. And uh, the friends of Centennial, who set up a bit of a booth and, yeah. you know, are raising money and selling apple pie, oh, yeah. ran out of apple pie. No kidding. Yeah, wow. so it was very successful. So that's great. Great. Very good news. And I know it would have been beautiful. And I was sorry I wasn't there to be part of it. But I wasn't. So, um... Anyway, there's that. But uh, one more thing. I received a book. I've received, often received books in the mail, but I received a book uh, a while ago here at the station, and I failed to send a big, huge thank you to the sender. It was Eleanor Whitfield of Waterloo who had mailed me a copy of a book called Mentors in the Garden of Life. Mm-hmm. It's written by, uh, the author is Colleen Plimpton, and uh, the copy that I was sent is a signed copy by the author, 
And in her note that Eleanor said, sent me, she said that she had enjoyed the book and thought that I might enjoy it as well. And it is a lovely book. So I have been totally enjoying it. And I just wanted to send, like I said, a big thank you sure. to Eleanor. And I will pass the book on to another gardening friend. I think it's just a really, it's just a nice yeah. book. It is about mentoring its plants and it's uh, it's well written. Well, I too get uh, stuff in there. I want to thank all the folks who have sent me comics over the last uh, <laughs> several years. I going to say chocolate or something. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> comics. Beetle Bailey and stuff like that. Oh, that's yeah, that's the good. stuff I Yeah, get. and jokes. You get a lot of jokes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Funny guy that you are. <laughs> uh, okay, quickly, a few things. Yeah. Uh, events going on this week. Starting with tomorrow, remember the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is meeting tomorrow at the Toronto Botanical Gardens at 1 p.m. Free admission. Everybody's welcome. And Michael Pasco will be there speaking on the AM Cuddy Garden and Rock Garden. Tuesday, the Scarborough Garden and Horticultural Society will be hosting a free lecture on Christmas decorating. Mm -hmm. They'll have a speaker from Sheridan Nurseries on hand. They'll also include their annual general meeting, which has a mini show celebrating this summer's preserves. So that'll be nice. It'll be all the jams and jellies Ooh, and chutneys. Yes, and of course, those are being judged, right? I mean, mm. it's a show. They're being judged, so the judges have to taste everything. Uh, guests, of course, are welcome, and refreshments are included. The Scarborough Garden and Hort Society meets at the Scarborough Village Community Centre, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Now, I mentioned last week that on Tuesday, November 13th, the Lakefield Hort Society is having a meeting with Victoria Whitney from Griffin's Greenhouses. They meet at 7.30 at the Marshland Centre in Lakefield. And on Wednesday, November 14th, I will be at the Riverdale Hort Society, which, of course, is very close to, pretty close to where we are right now. The meeting starts at 7 p.m. It's in the Frankland Community Centre, 816 Logan Avenue, just south of the Danforth. My topic is the big chill or preparing your garden for winter. Uh, assuming we're going to have a winter yep. this year. Well, I think we are. Last year yeah. we didn't have one. So um, that's so, that, so like I said, I'll be there on Wednesday. So there's all kinds of stuff going on, and I've got all kinds of emails. If we get a chance, I would love to get to. Okay, and I know that Christina, our producer, has lined up calls already. So we'll get to all you folks in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin and uh, yours truly, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Back in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Judging from our uh, little lineup that I see on the screen in front of me, we're going round the horn here today. I'm going to start <laughs> off in Etobicoke and say hi to David. Welcome to the show. Hello, David. Good morning. How are you? Fine, thank you. Morning, Good morning, Dave. Charlie. Morning, Frank. Morning. What's going on at your place? I, I have one quick question. Mm -hmm. We've just had a bit of sod put down. Should I put fall fertilizer on it? Uh, when was it? The sod was put down just what the last week or two? Uh, in, well, about three or four days ago. Okay. Uh, was the soil prepared in advance? Was there any amending of the soil before the sod went yeah, down? Yeah, it was dug out and fresh soil, topsoil put in. I would not bother. Well, I'm trying to think. You know what? If you if you have the fall fertilizer on hand, then I would put some out, but put it out at half strength. Don't put it out at full strength. Okay. And remember, the best way to ensure that the sod gets rooted in place is 
uh, walk on it. <laughs> you know, walk on the edges. Make sure it's in good contact. The, yeah. so, the you know the newly laid sod and the soil below are in good contact. That, that's when a roller would come in and land. Yeah, yeah. actually, he's just tamping it down now. Oh, okay, good. That and, and that's uh, the trick. Then I was going to water it. Mm. It's if I mean there's real good rain in the forecast, uh, but you're right. Never fail. You know, better to err on the side of a little too much water at this point than not mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, but David. If I put a light sprinkle of fertilizer. Yes, but not. Do you have a spreader? Not by hand, right? Oh no, I have a spreader. Yeah, yeah. Just put it on the half. Whatever you're supposed to be setting it at, set it at a either higher or lower number. So you're putting less fertilizer than what's required. The fall fertilizer is all about helping the plants, the turf plants withstand the craziness of the winter so it's a good idea just to you know ensure you've got that adequate potassium etc available Mm -hmm. for the plants to be in good shape and an added little tip as far as tamping it down if you have a lot of friends with big feet that helps invite them over over. yeah yeah he's putting it down using about a two-foot square of plywood and then he's got a heavy tamper all right okay excellent that'll work sounds good yeah wonderful thank you thank you david i want to give you a big thank you. Our pleasure. A few years ago, you had a thing about uh, storing dahlias. Mm-hmm. From three plants, I had 17 last year, gave some away, and then this year, we, this will be the third year we stored them, uh-huh. and it's wonderful. Good. We don't bind, we give them away. I know, oh, it's terrific. great. And they just get bigger and better when you save them. Yeah, and then just a big thank you. Oh, I'm glad you've been successful with that. That's what we're okay. all about. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for your program, and off you go to get help some other people. Okay, <laughs> Thanks, thank David. you very much. Okay, and bye-bye. one of those, thank you, David, one of those other folks would be Brenda, who's calling in from Dundas, Ontario. Good morning, Brenda. <clears throat> um, I also thank you, because uh, a couple of years ago you instructed me about amending the soil, which I did, Mm -hmm. and I've grown some nice squash and and some flowers. Now, the other day, I had a load of topsoil because I had some outside work done, Mm -hmm. and my question is, how deep can I spread this topsoil around my garden before I kill what's underneath? Uh, So this is an existing perennial garden, shrubs? It's an existing one with shrubs and, and, uh, yeah, blocks. and things like that. You know what? You can very safely, with a shovel, uh, sprinkle as much as a half an inch, three quarters of an inch of good quality topsoil or compost or, you know, composted manure, any of that on on the garden now. Uh The trick, of course, is you try to not drop the soil right on top of the crowns of the plants. You try and sort of scatter it around things like flocks or you know, yeah, peonies, around the flocks. shrubs, any of that. Some of them were trampled when the workmen were in. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know if they'll survive or not. But oh, you'd be amazed. They're pretty tough. You, are they? Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, so trim, you, you know, trim off anything that's in old and brown and, and withered away, like uh-huh. flocks, for example. Peonies are another example. Do that trimming. And then, yeah, go for sure, easily a half an inch, even as much as three quarters of an inch can go onto the garden, and everything will grow right up through it in the and spring. it won't kill anything underneath. Nope. <laughs> Nope. Okay. Excellent. Good idea, though. Thanks for your call. And thank you for the thank you, Brenda. (laughs) Nice (laughs) to have you on the show. It is The Garden Show from AM740, Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef, welcoming Elizabeth from North York. Hi, Elizabeth. Good morning. Um, I want to know about hydrangeas. I don't know whether we should prune them now or wait till the spring or what we should do, because they both flower. One's pink and one's blue. Oh, lovely. So, and these are the... um, the ball-shaped flowers, 
Yes, uh, they are, yes. Yeah, and they're co- considered the macrophylla hydrangeas. They're the big-leafed hydrangeas. They're go- yes, they're gorgeous. Okay, now, in my garden, I don't trim any hydrangeas in the fall. I leave all my hydrangeas alone. Some of the flowers hang on to the plants through, certainly now, and we get some big winds in the winter, they start blowing around. But it's quite ornamental because the flowers are all kind of crispy and brown, and they they hang on and stay out there all winter. In the spring, in the case of your kind of hydrangea, when the ground is starting to thaw and the birds are starting to sing and everything's (laughs) starting to happen outside, you'll go out and you'll look at those stems that are standing up out of the ground and you'll see little green buds uh, along those stems Mm -hmm. and you'll see brown death typically on the tips. In the spring is when you cut them down and it's you you should cut off all the dead. After you've done that, stand back and look at the shrub. If it's really kind of one-sided or awkward looking, then cut it down even further so that it, it will be a nice shaped shrub when it starts to grow. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. You're very I welcome. Enjoy your show, both of you. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. Okay. Have Our a, pleasure. Have Bye-bye. a great weekend and uh, keep it tuned where it is, AM 740. And as you do that, <laughs> I like the way you say that. Yes. Keep it tuned where it is. Yeah. Mm, I've never heard that. Well, there you go. And there you are tuning I'm starting up. my exercises. I see yep. that. Uh, Frank is tuning his body. I am. And Boing. He's, <laughs> he's, the reason he's doing <laughs> that. tuning fork. He's, ding, hit my head. <laughs> we do need a camera in here. Uh, the reason Frank is tuning is because he has taken his Sierra Sill and he is pain-free. His joints aren't creaking or hurting or aching at all because both Frank and I take Sierra Sill because we want to be active and we want to avoid all that that stiffness that comes with age. Yeah. So Sierra Sill is a completely natural mineral supplement taken daily and uh, is something that if you're interested to learn more about, you can call the people in Vancouver at one eight seven seven joint 14 or check them on the web, sierrasill.ca or pick up Sierra Sill at any of your local health food uh, stores. I know Ambrosia, uh, in your, uh, both in Thornhill and in Newmarket, carries Sierra Cell. And the peanut mill in St. Catharines. That's right. They carry it as well. Absolutely. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. On this Saturday morning, we welcome you to the Garden Show. Peter in Cambridge is set to talk to you here. Good morning, Peter. Morning. Hello, Peter. There you go. Hello, Peter. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Go Um, ahead. I got a pond that I built some years ago, and I have uh, lily pads in there. Mm -hmm. But I want to clean the pond out. What do I do about the lily pads? You want to actually eliminate the pond, or you just want to clean it out? And I just want to clean it out. And then you're going to fill it again and leave it with water for the winter? Yes, yes. The trick with lilies, assuming they're hardy lilies, which I, I imagine they are if they've been there for a number of years, in like in the natural world, water lilies will... Um, completely go dormant for the winter. So all the leaves die off and the stems, everything collapses to the bottom of the regular, you know, in a natural pond. And the root stays alive in the muck at the bottom of the, the pond or the, uh, you know, body of water. So in your case, 
I mean, I guess it depends how quickly you're going to do all this. Are you going to sort of clean it all out and then put it all back together in the next day or so? Yes. Yeah, so I, I, what I would do is, I mean, it's one quick question. When you designed your pond, is the liner a flexible liner or is it a rigid, uh, you know, bathtub type, type liner? It's a liner that, that you buy for, for a pool. Oh, okay. So it's what we would consider a rigid then. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so, no, so when you're going to clean it out, like you've obviously got muck and leaves and all kinds of things have been collecting in there over the years. Yes. And your lilies, when you put them in, were in pots. Right. So what I would do is I would just put the, the lilies back, take the lilies out, clean out all the muck, put the water back in, put the lilies back in, and let, let them go dormant for the winter and sleep under the, the ice because, of course, that's what's going to form eventually. And they should come up again, no problem, next year. It's just you're going to have to work around. They've probably got roots all over the place in there if they've been there for a few years. So you're going to just you know, sort of carefully pull them out, clean up some of this debris, and then put the lilies back in. Right. That's what I would do anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds simple enough, huh? Wait, because, I yeah. mean, I have water plants. I don't have underwater plants like you do, like lilies. I have things like irises and um, and uh, bulrushes and all, like little mini rushes in a pond. So they're yeah. what we call marginal plants. They live in the margins of the edge of a stream or a pond. And all I do, and I'll be doing this tomorrow, is I take all these pots out of my little pond and I cut all the above ground growth off and then I just bury them in the garden for the winter. And they're dormant so they, they don't care that they're not in water because they're not using any water anyway. And then in the spring I dig them up out of the garden, wash some of the muck off and stick them back in my pond. <laughs> so, and so same idea. <laughs> I've also got bulrushes here. I've, I've cut them back now, mm-hmm. but do I leave them there? Because I've, I've got a shelf on my pond. Right. That's what I keep the bulrushes on. Right. Do I leave the bulrushes? Again, I would put them, I would, if you're going to do all this cleaning up, then I'd put them back where they are. Like, and assuming you're filling it all up with water, I would put everything, all the plants back, put the water in and walk away. But do cut, yeah, cut down all the debris. It's just you get too much buildup of leaf matter and all that, and it yeah, starts to decompose. That's what I love now. Yeah, and it becomes a real sludgy, uh, sort of swampy mess. So you do have to every now and then get some of that mucky old leaf out. Yeah. Okay. Very good, Peter. Thank you very much for calling. And the Garden Show is on the air from AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Let me give you the phone numbers again. Uh, for Toronto, 416-360-0740. And anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, doesn't cost you a penny, one 740 Hey, let's welcome Norma to the line from Toronto. Hi, Norma. I really enjoy your program every Saturday. I wondered if you could give us some help with a lawn. Last year we had to replace our back lawn, and we sodded it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, we watered it, watered it, watered it, but I guess with the hot weather, there's patches that are, are dead. Mm-hmm. Now, will we work on these now or in the spring? Well, it would have been better to have worked on those patches about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning that uh, if you wanted to, because you're going to use some seed to fill in those patches. Right. Uh, what is it a level lawn or is it on a slope? No, it's a level, level lawn, yeah. Well, you know, if you wanted to take advantage of the lovely weather we're going to have tomorrow, what you could do is you go out with your rake and you rake 
pretty vigorously uh, to get out the dead stuff in those patches. Right. Make sure you've got some good quality topsoil or triple mix or some kind of a soil on hand. You're going to put some soil into those patches, you know, sprinkle that in. Mm -hmm. You can sprinkle grass seed now and then rake it lightly or a little more soil. Just have that all ready to go. What you'll find, though, is... It is now the middle of November. That grass seed is unlikely to grow this season, but it will be there and sit there all winter and start to grow in the spring. Oh, okay. Um, You don't want to have the seed available for the birds to take away, so that's where... No, well, before we did the... Did it? We put seed down, and the birds were eating it all. So then <laughs> yeah, we yeah. had to, we had to re, like resod it, you know, yeah. put the sod down. But it's all like there's quite big patches here and there, and it looks really a mess. And we don't know, you know, just when to start to fix yeah. it. Well, the so the trick with try it now, and then let's not do that in the spring. I guess that's yeah. right. Like even even with what I've just explained, if you did that now, you'll probably still need to do a little more filling right. in of both seed and sod next spring. Right. But the advantage of doing it and like I say taking advantage of tomorrow's gorgeous weather is that it's there ready to go as soon as the sun shines and the ground starts to thaw those little seeds will will start growing because grass seed is easy to grow in the spring when it consistently rains and typically in the fall when it also consistently rains but the nice thing about the fall is the soil is so nice and warm the seed will grow more quickly germinate more quickly than it will in the spring so we'll try that then well thank you very much for your help you're very welcome thanks for your call Thank you, Norma. Nice to have you on the show here this uh, Saturday. A little, uh, little on the chilly side, but uh, re- well, not really. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, cold-blooded or <laughs> warm-blooded. Warm-blooded. That's it. Yes, <laughs> I'm something-blooded. <laughs> anyway, let's welcome Lewis to the line. Another caller from Toronto. Hi, Lewis. Lois. Morning. Oh, it's Lois. Is it? I'm sorry. That's okay. I had amaryllis bulbs that I stored over the winter. I brought them up the other day. Mm-hmm. I have uh, four of them. Three of them have uh, green shoots coming up around the bulb. Oh, yeah. the bottom. Huh, because there's little baby bulbs. Uh, so do I... Daughters. Do I take those off? Oh, it's up to you. You could. Uh, they are just going to be small bulbs with small leaves and no flowers initially because they won't be big enough and mature enough to form flowers. So usually what we do is we just let it be for a year or two with these extra little growths around the edges. And in two or three years, then take the whole thing apart, uh, either cut off or break off all those little daughters, pop them up separately, and, and meanwhile you'll still have the main bulb going back into that same pot. Will my main bulb, though, will that take away from the main bulb? Nope, they're each of them. See, that the way it works is once they've got their own leaves, that's what feeds the bulb. Because two of these bulbs were just beautiful. Mm, the, the flowers, the colors. Mm-hmm, great. Well, so that's going to be your challenge is getting them to rebloom. But it sounds like you're on the right track. But don't worry about the daughters robbing anything from the mother bulb because, like I said, as soon as a bulb has its own leaves, it uses those leaves to feed itself. Okay. Now, what about the long shoots that are coming out of the pot? Uh, they're green or they're yellow? White. Oh, how do you mean out, out the top? Pardon? White shoots out the top? No, they're coming out the bottom, like the roots. Oh, okay. How long have these bulbs been in the pots? Well, I had them last winter, and I just take them down, put them in the basement, don't do anything with them. They've been in since last year. Last year. Oh, wow. They're obviously very happy plants. They've got so much root, and they're growing out the bottom, obviously. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that's a really good question, because... 
typically when a plant starts sending roots out the bottom, it's telling us it's pot bound and it wants a bigger pot. Okay. However, in the case of amaryllis, amaryllis like to be pot bound. They don't want to be in well, a big pot. I've noticed pot. that because when you buy them, it's the kit. They're yeah. very little pot. That's right. And that so so like I say, good question. Should you repot the amaryllis because it looks like it wants to be, or should you just say, hey, you know, suck it up, be pot bound. It's better. <laughs> so I still have all the same soil in from last year. I was going to take the soil all out and put in fresh soil. Oh, you okay? So if you were going to do that anyway, then you could consider moving up a pot size, but only one pot size. So okay. if it's six inch pot now, go to an eight inch, or if it's an eight inch go to a 10 okay. inch don't suddenly jump up to a 16 inch pot okay okay thank you very and much fresh soil is always a good idea <laughs> yes thanks good thank questions you. lois okay. yeah hearkening back to the election that was held just last tuesday evening of course there mm-hmm. are a number of states we found out that were pot bound <laughs> uh, just thought i'd throw that in for <laughs> how little, do you uh, mean you mean because they've, uh, they've wanted to legalize a, cannabis yeah, use le- yeah legal, make legalize them marijuana bound <laughs> makes them pot <laughs> Supporters. Pot support. Well, yes. Yeah, was, if you like. Yeah, we won't get into it. We, we could get into big political discussion right you're, now. You're, you're into semantics here. Because <laughs> well, you just love playing word games. <laughs> Carol. Let's sing a carol. <laughs> In Toronto. Hiya, Carol. Hi there. Good morning. Morning. I received a poinsettia tree last Christmas, and I talked to you in the spring, and I did what you said. I put it outside and cut it back, and now I've brought it back in. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, am I going to get any red leaves? Or is it just going to stay green? Okay, so the trick to getting it to turn color uh-huh. is, because right now it's all beautiful green leaves. Yes. Right. And those, remember, those green, when, when we see the color on a poinsettia, all it is is the leaves get colored. Yes. It's the little flowers are those tiny little yellow balls that okay. form up on the top. Mm-hmm. So the trick is, how are you going to get those leaves to color up? You need to start a regime with that plant okay. of, <clears throat> excuse me, 10 hours uh-huh. 10, even 12 hours of complete darkness oh, okay. every 24. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, so okay. sometimes it works because people just, you know, they have a spare bedroom or something. So the sure. poinsettia is sitting in the spare bedroom. Mm-hmm. All the beautiful light is coming in during the day. Sun goes down. It's a dark room. Nobody uses that room. Right. So that can work. Okay. Um, if you don't have that, then you may have to actually... Physically, you know, stick it in a, the front hall closet every night and bring it out back into the living room every day. Okay. But either way, that does take, it takes a number of weeks, but it will start to color up oh, and it'll look beautiful. Well, try that. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Okay. okay. Just while I have a moment, I wanted to give a little plug to our guys who are following us immediately. Uh, Charlie, uh, Dave's Corner Garage. And why did you want to give them a plug? Well, because the show after that is what I really want oh, to give Oh, okay. There to. we go. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of simple lifestyle changes can you make to keep your body going? Well, listen to the Natural Health Show for some great tips from experts in the world of natural health. That's the Natural Health Show today from 11 to noon, immediately following Dave's Corner Garage. And it's back to the garden hey, show here. Thank you so much. I'm well, going to just jump in with a little email. So oh, sure. Jumping in with uh, public service <laughs> announcements. Uh, okay, quick email from Priscilla. She says, I planted gladiolas and they bloomed in July. Great. When do I dig up the bulbs and when do I plant them again? Good question. This is uh, kind of goes back to the, our first caller, um, David, who was talking about dahlias. So, of course, dahlias and gladiolas are completely different bulbs, but what they have in common is that they are tender bl- bulbs, blooming flowers. So what I would do if I had gladiolas planted in my garden right now, I've had frost, so those yell- what were green leaves would now be yellow leaves. So I would dig them up now because you want them to get frosted. You want all these tender bulbs to get knocked into dormancy 
by cold temperature. You just don't want to leave them out when it's 10 below because then they'll mm-hmm. die. But as long as they've had a good frost, the foliage is all completely trashed. Dig up those bulbs carefully with a, a fork, not a, sh- not a, sh- a shovel or spade. Cut off all that foliage. Dry the gladiolus. Just lay them out on some newspaper out of the rain <clears throat> on a porch, in the garage, whatever. Again, keeping them cool. After a few days, might even be five or six days, make sure there's not a lot of dirt attached. So just gently brush off or, you know, with your fingers or a brush, all the soil that might be attached to those glad bulbs. Now, what's different about glads and dahlias is that we store gladiolas dry. So this is where you get that old pair of pantyhose or the... the yeah, I don't have any on me right uh, now. No, <laughs> you can't, you, you're always borrowing dyes clothes. I know. I know the words out. <laughs> but you must have some somewhere. The other thing is you use a ba- an onion bag, right, that we buy our onions in at the store. So that just that idea of a mesh or net bag. Pop all your nice clean and dry gladiolas into that bag or the pantyhose and then hang them up in the rafters somewhere in the, in the root cellar or in the garage or not the garage. And it can be a, it's got to be a cool, dark spot, but frost free. And you will plant them again once the ground is thawed. Usually you put them back outside. Where, I'm just trying to think where this came from. I don't know. Depends where you live. The sooner the better, though. As soon as the ground is thawed, we do want to be fairly frost-free. So I live in Richmond Hill. I'd be planting glads outside by the end of April. And they'll be popping through the ground and coming up and flowering by June or July. Did I ever tell you about the time that I did steal some of Di's pantyhose? Oh, do share. Yeah, well. Uh, we have <laughs> we rac- are on the radio, we, by the we, way. I guess. We, <laughs> <laughs> we, we had raccoons living in, in one of the chimneys in an old house in St. Catharines. You told me this story. And I know I, I got up on the roof with my fishing pole, and I'd <laughs> stolen a pair of Di's pantyhose, filled it with uh, mothballs, and lowered it down. And, well, of course... Raccoons are stupid. They're not stupid. They just threw the whole thing out in the roof again. <laughs> meanwhile, my house stunk of uh, yeah. mothballs. Oh, Lord. Boomeranged An- right back at Another you. one of my clever moves. <laughs> uh, let's see. Who are we going to hear? Oh, yeah, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Good morning and welcome to the show. Thank you. Morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. I've been trying to get through to talk to you for a couple of weeks about an oxalis plant mm-hmm. that I have. Mm-hmm. And it's not very popular, I find. I've talked to several people, and they don't seem to know anything about it. I knew you would know. (laughs) Um, I have two beautiful plants outside, Mm -hmm. which I'd like to bring inside. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure whether I need to cut them back or... They're the red... Mm-hmm. that usually comes out around St. Patrick's Day. Yep, yep. Yeah, just to, to be clear for everybody else, uh, oxalis is the proper name for a plant that we often refer to as shamrock. Yes, like and, a clover. And you're absolutely right. They do come out in the grocery stores mm-hmm. uh, for sale or the garden centers right around St. Pat's, and there's green-leaved and red-leaved versions with white or sometimes kind of a blush-colored flower. That's right, and they're so pretty mm-hmm. and so delicate. So your question is, should you cut it back? I would. And they're in pots still, right? Yes, they are. They're in hanging pots. And I'm oh, wondering really? if I, would, I should bring them in over the winter. Yes, they will die if you leave them out. They, okay. they are not hardy. So you will need to bring them in. And I would treat them as we treat so many of the plants that we put out for the summer and bring in. Okay. Just ensure that there's no bugs, uh, dirt, okay. uh, you know, spider webs, all that kind of thing. So give, you know, soapy water, wash. Okay. Immediately, in the case of the shamrock, rinse the soapy water off. You don't want to leave any soap on that plant. It's too fragile. Okay. And don't do any of the soapiness when the sun is on the plant. Make oh. sure you're working in the shade. Okay. And so I then can bring them in and sort of wash them in the yeah. water kind of thing. That's right. Yeah. Just put them in the bathtub maybe and spritz with some soap and water and then a nice flush, clean water. 
drain out uh, into the bathtub. And then, yeah, put them in a bright, sunny spot. You will find that some of the older leaves, the more mature leaves, will yellow because they will go through a shock between what it was like outside and what it's like inside. You will lose some leaves. So just stay on top of it, you know, scissors or or pinching, just take out anything as it yellows, and you'll find all kinds of new stuff will start to grow. Wonderful. I've also seen some growing in the garden. The actual red ones are growing in the garden. They seem to come up every year. There are some varieties that are hardier than others. It's like the hydrangeas we get at Mother's Day and Easter, the florist hydrangeas that sometimes mm-hmm. we can put them outside and they survive the winter. It's the same idea with some of the oxalis. Okay. They, some of them will survive. It also partially depends where you plant them outside and what kind of winters we're having. Okay. Right? Good, if we can get a nice amount of snow, lots of things will survive outside oh, in the winter. That. We don't want that. We <laughs> want to keep the plants all year round. But thank you. You're amazing, and I love the show. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. You know, my friends, do you find that during the spring, summer, and fall, you're more able to get outside and enjoy yourself going for long walks and so forth? Mm-hmm. And then winter hits. And then what do you do? You hunker down, and you don't really do a lot of exercising. Well, I want to tell you, this lady sitting beside me, <laughs> Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener, has something that she wants to tell you about that will ease a lot of those aches and pains that will come along come colder weather. That's right. So let me introduce her once again. Here is Char- <laughs> Here's Charlie Dobbin. And, and in the meantime, you start doing your push-ups. I start doing mix Well, because Frank, Frank kickboxes, you know, he's joking about, you know, winter, nothing going on, but, you know, he stays busy in the winter. I you know betcha. he does. Um, and, of course, I shovel snow all winter if it snows. So I try to Wait, stay Elliot active. doesn't do that? Why that lazy saw? I tell you. Yes, well put. <laughs> Good thing he doesn't listen to the show, yeah. right? <laughs> All right. So if you're a boomer that wants to stay active right. and pain-free like Frank and I do, you may be interested in something called Sierra Sill. Completely natural mineral supplement taken daily. Just magically works for a lot of us. Doesn't work for everybody, but it works for a lot of us to keep those joints running smoothly and without aches and pain. For more information, call Sierra Sill at one eight seven seven joint fourteen, or visit them on the web sierrasill.ca, or pick up Sierra Sill at Foods for Life on Bloor Street in Bloor West Village or even at Essence of Life in Kensington Market in Chinatown. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And looking at the clock, I see there's a dead fly on it. No, it's uh, 943, <laughs> and it's time to welcome... You're, you're in a real mood today, I aren't know. you? Well, I just want to be happy, you know? You are happy. Joyce in Scarborough. I'm happy that you're happy. Right, well, thank you. <laughs> Joyce from Scarborough is going to join us now. Hi, Joyce. Hi, good morning. Morning. I Last year, late last year, I got three plants of... Um, Tall, forested tall grass. Mm-hmm. I planted them then. But now I would like to know um, when should I cut them back or if I should cut them back. They're about four and a half feet high now. Great question. And did you love that grass? Isn't it the prettiest thing? I know. 
It's um, Carl Forrester is the um, cultivar. Okay. The, it's um, the proper name. The genus is Calamagrostis, for those of you that are into Good Latin. Um, okay. But Carl Forrester is a lovely, lovely ornamental grass. Yes. And as you said, grows about four, four mm-hmm. and a half feet tall. And what's standing up right now at that height are the flowers. Because yes. grasses flower. They look a bit like, you know, wheat, grain, yes, sort of yes. thing. Sure. All of our ornamental grasses are left alone for the winter. So just enjoy what they're looking like right now, and they're going to continue to look like that all winter. They wave in the wind. Yeah. They add texture and movement to the winter garden. Some of them even make noise when they're kind of brushing together. You get kind of a little tinkling sound in the winter. Yeah. So leave them alone. Enjoy them for the winter. In the spring, you're going to get out. Uh, it's going to be early in the spring. The ground is starting to thaw. Things are starting to wake up. Once the ground is not soggy and we're able to walk out onto our lawns and step into our gardens, you will get out your, your what will start with clippers, but eventually sometimes will even turn into a chainsaw if you're really into <laughs> ornamental grasses, and you cut them all down, right down to ground level early in the spring, and then leave them alone till the next spring. They're the best, the best ornamental plants you can grow because the maintenance is so simple and the enjoyment is, they're great in every season. They don't look great in early spring once you cut them down, but other than that, they're great all the rest of the year. Okie dokie. Uh, boy, we're traveling around the countryside here this morning. Uh, of course, we always do. A, I know. We take a little trip to Alliston, nice. where Phyllis resides. Good morning, Alliston. Uh, good morning, Alliston. Yeah, <laughs> good morning, Alliston. Uh, there's one and of your neighbors. Phyllis. Phyllis, yeah. Pardon me? Good morning. Morning. Yeah, how, how is everybody today? Excellent. Good. Um, I'm calling about uh, a mimosa plant. Mm-hmm. It's called a sensitive plant. Yes. Okay, I planted the seeds back in the summer that I had uh, received in the mail. Mm -hmm. So now they're growing, but they're not growing big. Like, they're just small. Is that supposed to be, they're not... They don't grow very fast, or what is it? Well, I, good for you for growing them from seed, first off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. They're about, uh, they're about, I would say, about five inches tall now. Okay, so keep in mind what's going on. Number one, it is not a fast-growing plant, and number two... The days have gotten shorter, so okay. all plants are slowing down. You know, okay. even the ones that are inside our houses, they know that the days have gotten shorter. So you're not going to see a lot of big, rapid growth from any plants, inside or out, at this time of year. Okay. Um, believe it or not, we're, we're not even that far away to the shortest day of the year, and then days start getting longer and everything starts picking up again. So you will see all kinds of growth from those little plants in about February and right through the spring. But for now, just keep them in a bright spot, only water. them in the window. Okay. But should I feed them anything? Nope. Nope. Because again, think about it. They're not really using much water. They're not showing a lot of growth. They're not going to use that fertilizer. Okay. And when you put fertilizer into a pot with a plant that's not really utilizing it, You'll you can it. actually cause yeah. root burn from okay. the salt in the fertilizer if the plant isn't absorbing the, the, the salts and the, okay. the fertilizer. So okay. for sure, you're going to start fertilizing February once a month. You'll go with this, you know, a 20-20-20 type all-purpose. But okay. for now, bright sun, only water as required. Okay. And what, see, because I didn't get too much information with the seeds. Mm-hmm. So basically, I was going on my own. Good. Sounds so, like you've done a good job. Uh, I've been watering it. It seems to be all right, but it's just not as big as what I seen it at. You know, at this other lady's house, she had sure. a big one. Sure, but hers is probably a couple of years old, and yours will look like that in a couple of years too. Okay. All right. That's good. Good. Okay. I enjoy your show, and thank you very much. 
Thanks. Have a good day. Thanks. Thanks, Phyllis. All the very best to uh, you and the rest of the gang there in Alliston. Mm. Now, uh, another pretty part of uh, Mm -hmm. Ontario is Alora, and there is where Barbara is calling from. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. Morning. Yes, thank you very much for uh, for taking my call. Um, I've got a chain link fence quite long in my backyard, and it's full sun. And I'd like to know what would be the best. Uh, flowering vine to plant on it. I have had some clematis, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't last for the whole season. And uh, on a, this past season, they got a bit baked. I'm wondering if um, uh, a trumpet vine or anything. I did put a honeysuckle there, but I find it didn't really, flowers didn't last that long. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't really give the, the picture that I wanted. So I'm wondering if you had any ideas. Well, I mean, it's an interesting question because what you're looking for is something ornamental that's going to obviously flower for longer than just a week or two. Yeah. And, of course, the reality is is that m- most flowering plants don't flower all summer. Uh, no. And perennial vines particularly. Now, there are some annual vines like um, sweet pea or Uh um, morning glory, which you could plant from seed in the spring. They grow very quickly and they will bloom all summer. Now, I did plant those uh, two years. Great. Mm -hmm. The last two years I planted them, not one came up. Oh, really? So I wonder, I don't know, maybe the squirrels ate them. (laughs) I I, I have no idea. But great for two years, then nothing uh, nothing for two years. But I could try them on, on the fence. I mean, and that you would do because that you will give you that color through the entire season. The other thing to think about, and you mentioned clematis you've had, and it didn't get real huge, and you mentioned it got potentially a little bit baked there because it was such a hot summer. There are clematis that start blooming in the spring, different varieties. There are some that bloom in the summer, and there are some that bloom in the fall. So if you are a clematis fan... Uh, purchasing different varieties of clematis to bloom in the different seasons can give you sporadic flowering in different areas of the fence through the entire growing season. Oh, well, that's... Mm, I mean, that's a thought as well. Um, A plant I really like, and see, what I find is we have a lot of spring flowering plants. I mean, in the spring, between our our lilacs and our peonies and our bulbs and all that, you know, spring stuff that... You know, and we love it. It's nothing against any of those things. But by July and August, not a lot is coming on that's new and fresh and something flowering that hasn't already flowered. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm a pretty big fan of a, of a plant that if you have room for it, the common name is silver lace vine. Silver lace, I certainly have the room. Yeah, so I mean, silver, like the color, lace, like L-A-C-E, vine. Very quick growing, perennial, hardy plant. Blooms with beautiful white flowers in August, August, oh, September. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and that so, would be wonderful. And so, again, it's not going to be flowering in, you know, June. It's not going to be flowering in May, but it will give you a great end of summer show. Mm-hmm. And that, like I say, I'm a h- huge fan of, of seeing new stuff at the end of the summer. Well, that's, um, that's a great idea, and, and I will do that. Excellent. There's some ideas for you. Thank you very much for your help. You're very welcome. Thanks, Barbara. This is the Garden Show from AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You know, when we start the show, I always give that little mantra, uh, call early, call often, one question per call. Mm -hmm. Well, Brenda Mm -hmm. was, I think, our second caller this morning from Dundas. And in just a moment, she's going to reconnect to you, Charlie, here on the Garden Show. But first, let's have these words on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden, for the second uh, time this morning, welcoming Brenda from Dundas. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Frankie. Uh, I was just wondering if you could just pop over to Dundas and move all this topsoil for me. <laughs> oh, no problem. No problem. I'll bring bring Christina along, our producer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Elliot will help, too. Yeah. The, the lady that called in with the oxalis. Yes. I didn't. I have a very small shamrock plant. Mm-hmm. I've had it for about five years, mm-hmm. and it goes out every spring mm-hmm. in a shady area, yep. comes back in every fall, and it's the most wonderful little thing. It looks like a clover, very yep. very skinny stem, yep. and when it gets too tall, I just trim it off like you do with grass, mm-hmm. and it grows again, and when it gets dark, this little thing, it closes its leaves down. Yeah. It looks like a, an upside-down umbrella. I know. It's sweet, eh? It's, it's a- the prettiest little thing. And it hasn't grown. It doesn't need repotting. It doesn't seem to need a, a great huge pot. It seems to stay small. It's very shallow rooted as well. Ah. So, yeah. And, okay, go ahead. Well, no, anyway, just tell the lady. Yeah, I wanted to share uh, that. Just we, hang on to it. Don't do anything. I don't do anything. Yeah, there you go. So hopefully Cindy is still listening because she was the one who called in about <clears throat> what to yeah, do. Yeah. And hers, similar to you, hers has been outside all summer. So that's great. Good information. And yeah, you, you five years and it's still blooming. Super easy. And it gets white flowers on yeah it's a nice yeah it's a nice plant good well thanks for that i love it when people share experiences and tips exactly even more when they give you money that's that's a whole other story i need your muscles not your money (laughs) okay good luck with that i'll send i'll send frank (laughs) all that exercising you've been doing i gotta get shoveling along here uh pat from mississauga waiting anxiously to talk to you charlie good morning good morning charlie Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Pat. I I just wanted to thank you for giving the heads up last week on that beautiful chrysanthemum show at Centennial. Uh, I popped in one day during the week, and Mm -hmm. oh, I so enjoyed it. And I was with a a friend who is uh, very much in need of solace and peace right now, and he just so much enjoyed it as I did. So thanks for that. And uh, what a delightful half hour I spent there. That's it's, it, that's the magic of growing things, eh? Of green and the, the humidity in there and the birds yeah. and the, just the sound of trickling water. It's a lovely place. It is lovely. It really is. I, I had not been for a number of years, but I plan to go more often now. Excellent. They're open 365 days a year. So if you ever, ever need a bit of bit of warmth on a cold winter day or a little peace, it's a great spot to Absolutely go. Absolutely it is. Nice. Okay, well, thank you again. Thanks for sharing that, Pat. Thanks so much. I'm and going to take Stanley's a little... Stanley's going to be happy to hear that, he ever. too. <laughs> yeah, he, he was so excitable anyway. Now I he's going to be now up he's through jumping the roof. Up and down. <laughs> Let's go along uh, the, the shoreline of Lake Ontario a little bit to the east, get to Oshawa, and there's Irene. Good morning, Irene. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you very much. Morning. Uh, I'm talking to you now today about a, a plant called, it's an oxalis also, mm-hmm. but nobody seems to know anything about it, but I've had them for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the four-leaf uh, clovers, mm-hmm. and uh, they're, the, they're the ones with the pink flowers. Right. And I used to have them all the time in my, on my balcony, and I used to just leave them in a pot, and they would just keep coming, and I'd give the little tiny bulbs. I gave yeah. away a lot of bulbs to people, but now I seem to have given away all my all my. <laughs> This year, I didn't have any of my four-leaf clovers. Ah, none of them came back. And would you leave them out in the winter on your balcony, too? No. Yeah, I used to just oh, leave really? them in a pot, and they'd stay there. And the next year, I'd, I'd have a pot. I'd be digging in a, a pot to plant something, and all of a sudden, I'd come across these clovers. The little <laughs> these bulbs. bulbs. Nice. And, you know, and I did give so many of them away, and I've now got friends that are asking me, <sighs> you know, 
have you got any of those four leaves? <laughs> we can't seem to find them. I mean, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of the, the three-leaf clovers, yeah. the, the white flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the pretty pink ones, they've got uh, the four leaves. And I used to cut them off and give the, even the four-leaf the four clovers. I'd give the, the leaves to people for a good luck. Yeah, exactly. Press them and put them into birthday cards and stuff. Uh-huh. Well, you know what? Let me see if I can um, find, uh, next week, come up with a suggestion of someplace where you might be able to pick up the four-leaf variety with the pink flowers, likely around St. Patrick's Day. But um, but let me let me look into that for you. Yeah, I've, I've been looking to see if I can get an actual plant from the different greenhouses and mm-hmm. nurseries that come out, you know, the flowers in the spring. But I used, I got mine originally in a, in, a, in a bag, like, you know how you get them in the stores? Yep. The seeds and everything? Yeah, the little bulbs. Uh, yeah, the little packages. Uh-huh. And that's where I originally got them. Hmm. And uh, I keep looking and looking, and I see all kinds of them with the white flowers, the three leaves. Yeah. I haven't seen one for years. And I, and I want one. All right. Well, let's see if we can help out. And maybe somebody you gave one of those bulbs to in the past is listening right now and is going to call you up and offer you a piece of your plant back. Now, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I thought of that. Cause, there you, you know, go. I figured, well, you know, they may not have even thought of hanging on to the... Hey, we have listeners all over the world. You never know. <laughs> well, somebody must know about these four-leaf clovers. <laughs> They're so pretty, too, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Irene. And like I said, let me see if I can come back with something, some suggestions for next week. Okay. And uh, and just maybe somebody will get in touch with you even before that. You never know. Thank you very much. Okay, thank okay. you. Hey, you know, this morning's a bit of a, a hallmark here on the show. We are, if we can take one more call and make it quick. Oh, I know, I know. You love this. You're I such know, a record. It's, you're but competitive. It's the 14th call, and that's the <sighs> highest number of callers we've ever had in the Garden Show. I guess we're talking fast well, today. Well, we are, and you're very <laughs> succinct in your answers. Uh, <laughs> and as Anne, How unusual is Anne that? Anne from Toronto, you have the honor of uh, breaking the record here. Hello there. Good morning. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Um, my topic is um, the cactus, Christmas cactus, and also the zygo cactus. Yep, yep. Same thing. I yeah. bought some last year, four last year. About this time, they were in full bloom, mm-hmm. and then of course the the flowers died mm-hmm. off, mm-hmm. and um, I got tired of looking at them with no flowers on them. And I thought, oh, these are no good. So, I, but I put them outside on my deck yep. the whole summer. They got rained on. They got full sun, and they had an abundance of blooms. Oh, nice! Wow. Absolutely beautiful blooms. That's great. Now I brought them inside, of course. Mm-hmm. Now. And uh, the blooms have all died off, but there's still more buds on them. Excellent. My question is, do I give them fertilizer now? Yes. I do? This is one of the rare situations, because remember we were just saying earlier in the show, when a plant isn't growing and, you know, doing active things, right. we don't feed them. Right. But, of course, the Christmas cactus is in its season right now. It is actively growing and producing flowers. Okay. So, absolutely, yes, you should be fertilizing it. Okay, then. That's great. There you go. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thank you. If I can get in just a quick little plug for uh, something special coming up uh, on my on show. your show. Okay. Um, yeah. Not a problem. At, at 1.10, roughly, thereabouts, mm-hmm. I'm going to be welcoming David Karismatis uh, to the show. He's the communications director for Mervish Productions. And mm-hmm. if you know anybody who is a veteran, tomorrow being Remembrance Day, uh, the Mervish Productions are providing a wonderful thing. A veteran, any veteran, can get in to see Warhorse yep. absolutely free, and we'll tell you how for this that whole goes. We- week. I think. Yeah, I think it's yes. Uh, I'll clarify yeah. all that, but it's, it's certainly worth uh, tuning yeah. in to find out that if you know a veteran in your family or circle of friends, have them tune in. All right, there you go, show. and go to a free theater. Absolutely. Outing. All right. Thanks so much, Frank, and thanks so much to all our wonderful callers and record-breaking number, and thanks, Christina. <laughs> She's done a fine job today, and we'll see you all again next week.
This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.